Hello, I'm mischievous Mark Giannacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including Amazing Fantasy number 15 and the annuals, but I still don't think those count. Hello, I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which I desperately say count to hold on to a lingering argument here. But for me, Amazing Fantasy 15 remains a fantasy. Thank you again for joining us for the eighth episode of season six of the amazing spider talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun and fascinating history of the spider ham comic universe. Ooh, Dan, if you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present and future, subscribe to amazing spider talk on your favorite podcast app, or do we call it like spider Hawk here or something, or uh, I don't know, a, a, a hamzing spider. I I'm just trying to think of what would, be the spider ham pun for our podcast yeah yeah what what would our podcast be called in the spider ham universe uh yet to be decided. i like amazing spider hawk anyway we're communicating through ham radio oh, if you will. yeah i love it oh, i love it our, yeah. our, our ham radio podcast okay continue dan <laughs> there you go uh this podcast exists because of the support of our patreon members which allow us to send it out on the airwaves not on a ham radio but if you want to receive early episodes exclusive artwork and help keep our podcast going truly supporting us on the Patreon really does help Mark and I keep the lights on. So you can go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com. There's a big button there that says Patreon. One click will get you into all the info you need. And we've even got a seven-day free trial. So go check it out. And if you like it, great. Sign up to stay on board. Every episode of this season features artwork by comic artist Nick Kitty Cat Netty. I don't know. And is available to our Patreon <laughs> members, unlettered and in stunning high resolution. Every other week we I'm sure he'll love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna be like, no, I'm not doing your art anymore. Every other week we put out a new edition of our amazing Spider Talk Substack newsletter, where we cover all the news about Spider-Man we can't cover on the show. So go to amazingspider.substack.com to subscribe for that. In this season of The Amazing Spider Talk, we're going back to the mid-80s when the Amazing Spider-Man title was handed over to one of the most legendary creative pairings in comics, who were just starting their creative partnership. That's the legendary Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. It was a time of immense change in the comics industry, but together Tom and Ron returned Spider-Man to its Ditko-inspired roots to create one of the most beloved runs on the title. Yes, and speaking of Ditko roots, I'm sure he's going to love the topic of this episode – 
On today's show, we are going to be talking about the greatest swine in all of Spider-Man comics. No, Dan, not your favorite Razorback. In fact, it's Spider-Ham. In the mid-1980s, Marvel launched a new line of kid-friendly comics called Star Comics. The star of Star Comics was Spider-Ham, Peter Porker, an anthropomorphized pig who fought crime dressed as Spider-Man and an unexpected hit character that enjoyed his own run of stories. He languished in obscurity as a curiosity and has recently re-emerged back into the spotlight as a cultural phenomenon. Bloop, 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 bloop. That's all, folks. That's right, Mark. And if you'd like to follow along with our discussion by reading about Spider-Ham, we'll be discussing Marvel Tales. That's T-A-I-L-S, starring Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider-Ham number one, and Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider-Ham numbers one through 17, the entire run of his first run of comics. There's been a few miniseries over the years and some guest appearances, but that's it. That's the bulk of the Peter Porker Spider-Ham stuff. And good news, these while these comics might be hard to find in print, they actually have a fairly low print run, so like they can get pretty pricey. They are all available on Marvel Unlimited, and they were also collected in a trade and digital collection as Peter Porker, The Spectacular Spider-Ham, The Complete Collection, which can be found on Amazon. It's actually not that pricey per issue, especially if you get the digital version. They're all on Marvel Unlimited, so check it out there. We've binged on Spider-Ham the last couple of weeks to prepare for this show. It's quite an experience. Why don't we get a little bit into the actual background of the character, give people some context, and then uh, we might uh, even have a special guest on here to talk a little bit more about the legacy of Spider-Ham. What do you think about that? That sounds like a lot of fun, Mark. Let's start with Spider-Ham's, well, I wouldn't call it his origin because it didn't kick off with an origin, but his 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 creation, if you will. Of course, as we noted in our intro, he, intro, he is a cartoon anthropomorphic pig that was created by Larry Hama, Tom DeFalco, Stan Lee, I guess because of the Spider-Man roots, he gets a credit for it, and then artist Mark yeah. Armstrong. I created Spider-Ham. I, I mean, I swear. I it. mean, he would, you know, once once Spider-Ham showed up in a couple of animated movies, I'm sure Stan was like, yes, well, who comes up with the idea, right? I mean, you know, anyway, uh, it's just, love it. But really, Hama and DeFalco were kind of the 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 genesis of this whole thing with Mark Armstrong doing the first art for it. Hama had been the editor of Crazy, which was a Marvel Mad Magazine knockoff. I've actually never seen any issues of Crazy in the wild. Are you familiar with the magazine at all, Dan? I have seen it in the wild, but I've never actually read one. I I am very curious. I mean, I can't imagine it was that good because it had a pretty strong publishing arm behind it, you know, and if it was solid enough, it probably would have taken off. I have not read one, actually. So, well, anyway, so so basically Larry Hama and Tom DeFalco were, were hanging out in Marvel's editorial offices one day, and they had this brilliant idea that, you know, to kind of expand Marvel's licensing, they needed to come up with like a plush toy, a children's toy. And they felt the way they could do that was to create a funny animal-centered comic book to basically license plush toys. 
you know, after kicking around some ideas, like what could they do for that? They came up with the idea for what turned out to be Marvel Tales, T-A-I-L-S, number one. It was a one shot. And they uh, even commissioned a Peter Porker plush doll to be made that apparently was in DeFalco's office for years and years, uh, although he doesn't seem to have it anymore, according according to some interviews that he gave post, uh, I guess, his time at Marvel as the editor there. And they, they also created other characters in this comic book including Captain Americat, Doctor Doom, Hulk Bunny, and the Fantastic Fur. And and this was, again, all about creating toys. Uh, you know, we had just created, well, this was pre-Marvel Secret Wars toys, so I guess this would have been the first big toy explosion. And, and ahead of its time, I mean, nowadays you can go to any store and find, like, Marvel characters turned into animals or any number of Mickey Mouse crossover and i think the first run of characters are all pretty fun i don't really get hulk bunny like all the other ones have good puns in the name is it because hulk bounces around is that is that why we think he was hulk bunny yeah i i i have not yet figured it out like maybe i was like oh well bruce banner and bunny but then why hulk bunny so i i i don't I don't get it, Dan. Maybe, you know, I'm just a Gen X or Xennial kid who doesn't understand what Hulk Bunny is supposed to be funny. So DeFalco was the uh, the writer of Marvel Tales. Uh, Hammer was the editor. And as I mentioned earlier, Mark Armstrong was the lead artist. Uh, it was published in November 1983. The licensing department had no interest in plush dolls. And that more or less killed the idea dead for DeFalco and Hama. And we never heard of Spider-Ham or Peter Porker or any of these characters again. Right, Dan? That's it. So episode over. Uh, we want to thank everyone for sure, you know, the Patreon. You know, anyway, no, no. In fact, I'll tell you what, as ahead of their time as Larry and Tom might have been to come up with this character, the licensing department at Marvel deeply behind the time. <laughs> like no, no plush dolls in your licensing department. I'm sorry. Like, did you miss the memo on what all kids want? Well, you know, again, it took them how long to even like get a movie made of one of their characters that wasn't like, you know, Fair shot enough, in a back yeah. alley somewhere or <laughs> um, so anyway, thinking that this idea was completely dead. Apparently, according to interviews one day, uh, Tom DeFalco was called into the offices of uh, Marvel CEO James or Marvel president James Galton. Basically, if you get called into the office of the head of the company, it's probably not great usually, right? I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to be called into the office of my CEO unexpectedly. I'm, I'm here to talk to you about your anthropomorphic pitch. Yes. Well, well, that's one I didn't expect. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Apparently in the in the office was also representatives from Curtis Distribution. That was the uh, newsstand distributor. Remember when it was a uh, newsstand and direct uh, distribution, Dan? Now it's all diamond, except it's not diamond. Well, anyway, we're not going to get into it. But But Curtis was like, hey, Marvel Tales sold remarkably well. Like much more so than your standard one shot and much more so than a lot of comics were selling. And they were like, all right, so where's uh, where's issue two? And DeFalco was just like, uh, it was a one shot. It's Marvel Tales number one and that's it. And, and apparently Galton was like, no, Tom, you're not following. When is issue two coming out? <laughs> and DeFalco was like, <laughs> give me six months. And that led to the creation of Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham. I mean, you know, like people want to talk about marketing and interference from Disney and all that kind of stuff now in terms of how it impacts comics. I mean, like that's a, this is a story for you, right? I mean, like just literally like, <laughs> like I don't care what you think, Tom, get, get creating on the comic. <laughs> 
So let's talk about what that comic is, because like, you know, uh, the one shot gives you a path forward, but it is a lot of like, like punny jokes. Like, can you build a story on top of that? Do you even need to? And like, what kind of comic are you going to do? You know, the star imprint, this would become like a leading title in it. We're aiming this at kids and uh, what is it going to be? And so, Mark, what did it end up being? So, yeah, I mean, like you said, the, it was part of the Star Comics imprint. And, you know, we right before we jumped on the air, Dan, you were like, oh, this this comic reads like a Saturday morning cartoon, which is apropos because like all of these other Star Comic books were Saturday morning cartoons. It was like Heatcliff and the Starhawks. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to like I'm, I'm going back. I don't know if you remember these cartoons, Dan. It might be a few years past. Oh, you do? OK, that's good. I mean, you know, the, I think weren't the Smurfs. Did they have a comic or the Snork? or something like that i i don't know sure yeah. uh, the, the snorks i'm not sure about the snorks but, well they were like uh, the yes. underwater smart i don't know whatever anyway so they all you know they all were part of the star comics line and peter porker the spectacular spider ham publishes on may 1985 so that's like right smack dab in the middle of the of course the amazing spider-man run and spider-man run that we've been talking about all season here dan and and you know it's worth noting because of that defalco was not even the the writer on this uh he was the executive editor so i guess you know he kind of had like some superficial role for the most part larry hammer was like the regular book editor on this to write it they brought in kind of this this veteran funny writer steve skeets he kind of had this uh, background and doing kind of cartoony books for like much call it like gold star uh, was it gold gold key comics and things like that. So like you know he wrote like Looney Tunes books and stuff like that. So it was like let's bring in this guy to do Spider Ham. And then they did get Mark Armstrong back to do the pencils for the initial issue, and Joe Abello was the anchor for it. And you know very similar to the the first issue of Amazing Spider Man, the first issue of Spider Ham introduces the Daily Beagle newspaper and J. Jonah Jackal. I'm just going to start off right here, Dan, and talk about like just, you know, when we were doing our Web of episode uh, a few episodes ago, Dan, we were talking about how like Web of was supposed to be like the the Daily Beagle newspaper focused of the books. And like, really, that book is Spider-Ham <laughs> because there is just so much <laughs> J. Jonah Jackal and the Beagle and his, uh, are they like his nephews or like what? There's like these three other guys that are like always in these books. Yeah, they're they're his nephews. Yeah. By by some weird animal cross, like pollination, if you will, uh, interspecies relations. He has these three nephews that are basically brought in as like interns and they all have very distinct personalities. You know, like one of them is the like, know-it-all who speaks in highfalutin language and another one's more adventurous and another one's always fearful and they were like an unexpected at least to me like addition but you're right it is daily beagle uh, like every issue is daily beagle because again it's a it's a great framing device the same reason it was used in amazing spider-man it's a great framing device to send people off on adventures and their colorful personalities and honestly jay jonah jackal is probably the most fun character to read in this thing, which you could probably just imagine from me reading Amazing Spider-Man is like, which of these characters are best translated to becoming an animal? Obviously, J. Jonah James. For sure. For sure. And it's like, I mean, like, but that's the thing, like, you know, we, we and we'll talk about this later in our interview as well. But like you see Spider-Ham both like, 
you know, in later uh, iterations in the books, but also, of course, in the across the and into the Spider-Verse movies and stuff like that. And, you know, he's not floating through the air smelling a pie in any of these comics. Right. I mean, like this, these these are very, you know, they're, they're, they're written for children for certain. But like they're they're like they're just kind of parodies and spoofs of Spider-Man at the Daily Beagle, uh, Daily Bugle. Excuse me. I, they got me doing it already. Uh, you know, this is how many times am I going to have to correct myself in this episode? We'll see. Well, well, I mean, I'll, I'll even push back on that i don't even know if they go far enough to be truly parodies i really think if you swapped in like peter parker into most of this stuff you wouldn't bat an eye it would feel kind of like maybe like the newspaper strip in that they're kind of stripped down and more simple and maybe more approachable for kids they don't really lean into the parody jokiness like my impression before reading spider-ham comics and having read the more modern takes on Spider-Ham and seen the movies is that it was going to be much more Looney Tunes and much more like making fun of Marvel comics in some way. And I think eventually it gets much closer to that, but for at least like the first like eight or so issues of the proper story, it is really kind of like by the numbers, kid friendly Spider-Man stories just featuring a different cast and a much more simplified kind of like roster of people to the point that it doesn't even really ape Spider-Man villains ever. You know, you get Dr. Doom and stuff like that, but you know, the kind of spoofs of Spider-Man villains wouldn't come for much later in the series. Yeah, for sure. But there were backup stories in each issue. And I would say this, these, the backups were kind of where it leaned in a little more in terms of the spoofs and the parodies. Now the, the, the backup stories were usually featuring another animal themed Marvel character. So we had like the uncanny X bugs, silver squirrel, which I think probably works the most iron mouse. There's Thur, which I guess it was like (laughs) just my favorite in terms of name. And also because I just generally never got into these characters. There was awful flight instead of alpha flight. (laughs) And, and I'd say also for our show, like we make fun of Canada, you know, boy, that, that backup really makes fun of Canada. For sure. But, but in terms of personnel, it's worth noting that uh, Mark Armstrong started missing issues after uh, issue number three. So that created like the first kind of rotating cast on the book in terms of artists. You, you, You talked a little bit, about whether it was really spoofing or not. By issue six, we had, I, I would think, like the first very clear direct parody, which was the instead of the master planner saga, it was the master conniver, uh, who, of course, instead of Dr. Octopus, you know, I guess if Spider-Ham had a nemesis in those early uh, issues, it was Dr. Doom. Instead of having to get a serum to save uh, Aunt May from a stroke or whatever, uh, she she's has a heart attack in this and he has to get a special serum to like basically bring her back uh it's like a very experimental serum and otherwise she's gonna die you can tell this series starts running out of steam towards the end even though i like those issues because they reuse the master planner thing so they don't call it the master conniver they call it the actually the master planner and it's not dr doom and it's like are we really doing this again okay right but but and and to that note so um after issue eight uh steve skeets leaves the book 
He has said in interviews, there's a, there, for people who read Back Issue or have access to Back Issue, there, there's a fantastic episode uh, uh, interview from 2010 that talks to a lot of the main players. Steve Skeets passed away a few years ago, so sadly, this is kind of like his his remaining epitaph, if you will, to Spider-Ham, this, this interview in, in Back Issue. But he basically said that like he wasn't seeing eye to eye with Larry Hama because it sounded like Hama was kind of giving him a hard time about his comics being too verbose, which I don't disagree with. Like these, you know, like I said to you at one point, reading all this Spider-Ham in succession is 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 a bit of a, is a bit much. And I don't even know if it's because, it's not because of how it's like a goofy parody. It's just like, it's very verbose children's comics. <laughs> um, and, 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 and Skeets essentially in retrospect agreed with that criticism that he got from Hama, even though he left the book at the time over it. He was like, I wasn't right for the character was basically his conclusion. Well, it's funny because even after he leaves, I don't think the verbosity goes away. Like it's, I still think there's a little more like physical comedy added to the book, but it's, it's still a pretty like verbose title. Yeah, I, I I don't totally disagree with that. I mean, I I I do think that that the second half of the run with Steve Miller Steve Meller taking kind of the the helm of the writing does have a little more goofiness to it. And Meller did some of like the backups, so that kind of tracks that you know he would bring more of those sensibilities to the main stories of these books. So 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 Steve Meller takes over from some skeets, like is some occasional fill-ins from others. Like that's the th- I mean you. you that's always kind of the kiss of death for a book like this, Dan, right? Like when, when you, you start seeing like the, the rotating cast of creators. But I would say Meller probably wrote the majority of the issues in the second half here. I, I, I do think in the second half, like one of the true, I don't know if I would call it a standout, but highlights maybe uh, is uh, issue 15, which has, of course, the amazing Spider-Man number 50, uh, John Romita Sr. cover homage. This one is courtesy of Joe Abello. And this is actually Peter Porker's origin story. We did not, uh, to my knowledge, we did not get anything relating you know resembling an origin prior to this so basically to to put it mildly i mean this is this is like i mean you know he mentioned of course if for the fans of the spider-verse movies he you know spider-ham talks about being bitten by a radioactive pig i mean it is as it's it's even more bizarre than that peter peter porker originally is a spider he's a like a regular old household spider and may is like this mad scientist and she basically injects herself with a radioactive material. Am I getting this right, Dan? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Yeah, okay. You're, okay. you're, you're nailing it. Yeah. And, and in like her, her state of whatever, uh, <laughs> she bites the spider, which but, who she's friends with. Let's, let's, let's be, let's admit that like they are yes, buddies. But yes. It's this. not just yeah. like, it's not just like he's a pest lying around the house. I mean, they're friends. So she bites the spider who then grows into a, a anthropomorphized pig like she, she basically may becomes an amnesiac comes out of the her her state of amnesia and believes that Peter is her nephew and so she adopts him as that i mean where i would say adopts him but like that becomes the relationship and everyone's cool with it and oh it's also important to note that Peter Porker like absorbs her intellect as part of his powers as well like so the mad scientist element like finds its way to imbue him with the intellect enough to build his web shooters, etc. So um, they've got that covered. What I think it's interesting about this is this is clearly something Meller just like made up 
in this issue. There was no, I mean, obviously there was no plan for Spider-Ham or any kind of deep lore book for this character. But in earlier issues, he makes reference to being raised by Aunt May Porker as like a young pig, as a piglet and stuff like that. And when he gets transformed into a pig, it specifically states that he grows into a full adult pig. There is some conflict there. And I think anybody that read the book until this, until this issue just assumed he was a pig that got bit by a radioactive spider. And I don't know what compelled Meller to flip this around, you know, like it's, it's really strange. Yeah. So, so Dan, we, we, we've kind of run through it. I, I will readily admit outside of, of course, some of like the anniversary comics and miniseries that have come out over the last like 15, 20 years or so. Uh, this was my first, I would think mass exposure to these books. I did not read them back in the eighties and really have not sought them out uh, until now. Do you have any opinions on these comics? Yeah, I I have not read them prior to this myself. Uh, you know, I've read a lot of modern Spider Ham things. Although I did read some of the letters pages and noticed that our old contributor friend to SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, Doug Zawiza, has a, a letter in the back of the first letters column for Spider Ham. So it's fun to see the names that pop up there. <laughs> you know, as as you're going, uh, Todd Knock as well has one in the second letters column. I really enjoyed these, Mark. I was actually really surprised i think maybe it is the saturday morning cartoon nature of it that the writers feel like they can kind of like craft a tale that's told in one story but i really enjoyed the kind of self-contained nature of so many of these stories that they have really clear beginning middles and ends they often run through some crazy visuals like spider ham giant fighting giant anthropomorphized vegetables and things like that but the backups to me were really like what I thought Spider-Ham was going to be. And so I enjoyed those the most. You mentioned uh, Awful Flight. I really like the scavengers. I think that's really funny. If only because Black Panther is Black Panda. Like they got rid of the <laughs> creature he already was. And like someone who turned Vision into Pigeon is funny. Just because they don't even try to dress it up. It's just... That's pigeon. And and those things always really crack me up. And I think my enjoyment of the book increased as Meller came on as writer to bring the backup vibe into the proper book. Like you mentioned, amazing, amazing spider or not amazing spider ham spectacular spider ham number 15, like has like Jack Jonah Jackal and the three kids dressing up as superheroes and driving around in a talking car. And it's like, okay, that's what I thought this would be is more kind of like 1920s, 1930s animation, like where everything is alive, kind of interacting with these characters, plants start talking in the background or reacting to things. So like, I think the life in the comic suddenly became much more evident. Whereas the the artist was bringing a lot of the creativity to it. I think once Meller came on, there was some cool synthesis going on um, in the title. And I really, I, I found myself quite enjoying it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we didn't even get into Mary Jane Water Buffalo and, 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 <laughs> and, 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 that, and that romance. Uh, you know, once again. Yeah, no, man, she's got some big horns, <laughs> as Peter keeps pointing out. You know, there's some adult stuff slipped in there too. Uh, there's There's a whole issue where, Peter is like fighting off like 
in, in like an interdimensional threat, if you will, while Mary James back is at his apartment listening to different music and you get all these spoofs on like different, I forget what like Bruce Springsteen is like Bruce. I, I forget, but she's like listening to all these different music artists that have these funny names and, and she just totally doesn't notice that he's been gone for like, a week. She's just been dancing in his apartment the whole time. I mean, which is funny. Like it's making fun of sixties comics and you can't help but like that. Oh, for sure. I don't know if I'm quite as effusive about it as you are, but like, I I, I do want to point out like, you know, I I know I criticized the verbosity of it uh, initially, but like there, there is definitely like an old kind of silver age sensibility to how he wrote these stories, which surprised me for sure. I mean, you know, like I, I think, I think we both seem to be surprised in terms of the tone and, and nature of this book for sure. I, I was not expecting. I mean, like I don't want to call it sophisticated because that might be a bit of an overstatement. But like these are, like these are far smarter comics than I was expecting them to be going into this. Yeah, you know? they're solid. Like that's what I'll say about them. They are like solid little stories. You know. Uh, and and, and yeah. kind of similar to like even like our conversation about Web of where it was like, oh, you know, like Web of. Yeah, there was nothing like outstanding about those those comics. But like it, it, it was very emblematic of like Marvel and the spider office at the time that like, you know, for a third book in the rotation that didn't really have a regular writer or anything like that. They were solid stories. And I feel Spider-Ham's the same way. I mean, like this is this is the kid's book. This had every reason to kind of be, you know, the total throwaway, you know, let's just make it full of fart jokes and stupid humor. And it wasn't like they like they they treated this book like a legitimate comic book, you know, and 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 like there's something to be said about that. Maybe that's part of why this character has endured in a way. I mean, I don't want I don't want to make it sound like Spider-Ham has been like at the at the focal point of pop culture over the last 35 years but like he's had he's had several lives it's almost like he's spider cat you know <laughs> For, but but uh, yeah which is also a thing that exists yeah oh okay but, yes. well we don't have to do that i do not necessarily recommend folks to like binge the entire volume the way uh we seem to have done you know maybe take your time with it and go through it but like they're they're they these are very fine, decent comic. And yeah, I feel like when Meller came on, it, it, it definitely kind of transformed the tone a bit. I, I really enjoyed it for the most part. I thought that origin story, as weird as it was, was was a hoot. You know, I, 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 I you know, I, I mean, it, it, it surpassed my expectations for sure. Yeah. And I, I just don't think it talks down to kids, you know? And so like, I'll be excited to introduce my son when he's of age to Spider-Ham and his various adventures. But Mark, if people wanted to talk about Spider-Ham and other Spider-Man adjacent things, where might they do so? Well, uh, Dan, I would say uh, like hundreds of listeners, including you, you could hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting, conventions, movies, new comics, old comics and more. Uh, Dan, what's been going on in the Slack this week, which might actually be a couple of weeks from now, but we'll pretend it's this week for right now. Absolutely. Well, uh, Mark, uh, you know, this week, the script for Across the Spider-Verse was released on the Internet. And sadly, there are no lines in it from Spider-Ham, hmm. um, who has a silent appearance. Uh, but hopefully maybe in the, the next film, 
after John Mulaney is done cleaning up his uh, public persona, <laughs> they'll invite him back. But speaking of cleaning things up, did you know that there are four F-bombs in the script? Like, just straight out in the script. And I'll tell you what, Miguel O'Hara was shocked. I, I mean... He, it must have been shocking for him uh, to, to the nth degree. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hope people appreciated that joke. But anyway, come join in on the fun in our amazing Spider Slack, the only place where people might understand the joke I just made. There's a link in the description of this episode. Click on it. You can create a persona. Come on in. I mean, hopefully it's your persona. We like knowing who everybody is. But anyway, come on in. Talk about Spider-Man, Spider-Ham, whatever you love. We've got a place for it amongst friendly people. So that's the amazing spider slack mark we have an awesome guest coming on the show to talk about spider ham with us why don't you tell us a little bit about who we've got coming on well uh you know i this this might be a spider talk first in terms of having a repeat guest within the same season but of course you know you you, you heard from him earlier in season six when he came on to talk about his his wonderful chemistry with ron friends well we got him back the legendary one himself, Tom DeFalcon, or is it Tom DeFalco? I don't know, but but, but let's go with it. Uh, Tom DeFalco, one of the uh, co-creators of Spider-Ham, he is here to just, you know, talk a little bit about, obviously we gave everyone the intro in terms of the, the history of the character, but obviously, especially in light of the Spider-Verse movies, we wanted to hear from Tom a little bit about his thoughts and kind of the enduring qualities of Spider-Ham and, and what might be coming from Tom next with, in the world of Spider-Ham. So let's uh, take it away to that interview. Well, now let's meet one of our amazing Spider-Friends, the kind of guy I go to other friends who recommend, find out about the things they create. But you're just friends, they're an amazing friend, a friend, a friend, a friend, they're an amazing friend. All right, Dan. Well, we are joined by the legendary Tom. I I, I was going to refer to you as Tom DeFalcon to kind of keep with the, the, the theme of, of Spider-Ham here. I don't know if that is uh, appropriate or not. I don't want to offend the legend on, on the air here. So uh, Tom DeFalco is here. You know, any any kind of anthropomorphized animal you want to be, it's up to you. Well, well whatever. <laughs> I, I, I often... I crack up when, when people refer to me as the legendary, which was a joke between me and Ron Franks for, <laughs> you know, for years. Well, it, um, it, 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 you're, it, you're, it's going to stick to you on our show now for, you know, for, for the rest of eternity. So, you know, I, 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 yeah, I, I would just say to you. That was your doing. Let's just be clear. Like, <laughs> you imprinted that on us the first time we met you, that we must refer to you that way. And it is stuck. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, well, well it's, a, it's it's appropriate, isn't it? I, 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 I would think so. Uh, but but of course, Tom is here. He's going to talk a little bit about the legacy of Spider-Ham and, and its creation. And, and you know, Tom, we, we talked a bit about, of course, the, the origin story with you and Larry Hama. And, and, and I want to ask you to kind of kick things off here. C- can you talk a little bit about what goes into making effective parody in comic books because like this seems like something like a lot of people try to attempt but few have done it in a way that has created a a lasting impact the way spider-ham has and i'm curious from your perspective you know what what were some of the elements to this character and and kind of the 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 parody elements that you introduce that have has helped make the character last 
<laughs> How does parody work? Uh, I, 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 you well, tell me, because <laughs> you did it. <laughs> well, well you, you guys know that I started out as a humor writer, correct? I, I started at Archie Comics writing humor, and, um, and I'm back at Archie Comics still writing, you know, humor. You, you know, you just look at, at, at the, the tropes of, of something, and then you, you poke fun at them. When I think of the first story, the only, you know, the only thing that, that I remember of the first uh, Peter Parker story is when he's, when he's talking to uh, Captain America, who uh, puts the shield on his back and then he puts the jacket over it and suddenly you don't see the shield, which is something <laughs> we used to do in the comic books all the time. And, and he says, how does that work? He goes, good tailoring. And I, you know, because it doesn't work. <laughs> and, you know, you just have a sense of humor and poke fun at things. I, uh, if you're familiar with my career and, and especially the boss man strip, you see how serious I take myself. <laughs> and, uh, and that, you know, that kind of follows with everything I do. I, you know, I never took myself all that seriously. I don't take the superheroes all that seriously. I love the, I love the medium. I, I love the characters, but there, there's some, some bits of this is kind of silly. And I think it's, up to us to point it out and just well have fun. it's funny it's funny that like whether you like it or not spider-ham has come become kind of part of your legacy and and who knows what's yet to come for spider-ham do you think there are any characteristics that make this character more enduring than others is it just that he's spider-man adjacent or do you think that there is like something to that character that that We'll make it last longer than all of us, perhaps. <laughs> I think being Spider-Man adjacent helps. And the fact that, you know, he's a pig, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you know, I, I always remember when the, the, the publisher called me up to, to his office to tell me that the, the first issue had, had sold really well. We thought it was the only issue. And uh, I remember saying, you know, Marvel Tales... And I said, "Oh yeah, the, you know that's uh, has Spider Ham," and the uh, the president of the company turned to me and goes, "You have a spider pig," and he just he was just stunned. Having a spider pig is kind of ridiculous, and uh, even the Simpsons used to make fun of the spider pig. And I, I don't even know if they were aware of Spider Ham at the when they were doing that, but may, maybe they were. In, in, in researching this, I saw people say when they were reacting to Spider-Pig in real time, and they were saying, and then when Spider-Ham came, you know, something with Spider-Ham came out after, like, oh, they must be ripping off The Simpsons. And it's like, no, <laughs> go, go, <laughs> go back. <laughs> Do your homework, people. <laughs> well, well, listen, a lot of times we've been ahead, you know, a lot of times we've been, ahead, uh, you know, just ahead of the curve. But that's what we're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to create things that are fun and you know spider him was fun and you know captain america and goose rider and you know all of those goofy characters i mean this i i i'm not trying to be overly glib here but like where where does he rank for you in terms of like what you've created like like you know like you know you've created all these all these amazing characters you know silver sable and puma and, and on and on that we've been talking about this season and yet it seems like spider ham is the one that's kind of gone on and do you like do you think back and you're like yeah like 
of course, or, <laughs> or, 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 or you're just like, I don't get it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I honestly don't get it. You know, I, I think my two most famous creations, maybe my three, my, my three top creations are probably Spider-Ham, Spider-Girl, and Bagman. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and Bagman <laughs> has, has appeared in video games and in the last Spider-Man movie and Bagman. Yeah. <laughs> from um, the same cloth, from the same cloth, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you never know what's going to be popular. People like what they like, uh, you know, a clown like me, it's my job just, just creating things and keep throwing things against the wall. I, I don't rank the, the stuff or think about, about it like that. Cause you know, people often ask me, well, you know, what, what was your favorite thing to write? It was what I was working on this morning. I know Steve Skeets was the one who took over the book, you know, after that primary issue in terms of writing. You know, I'm curious about like the creation of Spider-Ham and the world that he's in and that specific parody, because sometimes it's like a mashup of like Looney Tunes and maybe like early Disney styles and Saturday morning cartoons. Like when you guys envisioned Spider-Ham, you know, being a part of like a story and a world and even the daily beagle, what was the like inspiration there? Like what kind of world did you see this parody operating in? Well, I, I wanted to do a very straight world where we weren't creating a bunch of jokes and weren't a, a cartoon version of things. I, I wanted to play it very straight because whenever I wrote Spider-Man, I always kept in mind something that Roger Stern had said to me. And Roger Stern said, at his essence, Spider-Man is Bugs Bunny because he's always bouncing around like Bugs Bunny. So I thought, okay, if Spider-Man is Bugs Bunny, then I'm going to make Spider-Ham much more serious. <laughs> even even, you know, even Spider-Man. So, so, you know, if you look at the first story and, and, and I've done it, you know, I've been privileged to write a couple of Spider-Ham stories. I always play them very, very straight. I don't go for the obvious humor or anything else like that. The situations are ridiculous of, of their sort, but you know, I, I try to stay away from the, you know, the Archie style slapstick that I know <laughs> that is normally my forte. So, so to that point though, it's, it's funny. So like, I feel like after the initial run of the series, especially, it feels like the character, like, future creators have like kind of leaned more heavily into like the puns, the, you know, the more obvious humor, if you will, kind of like that slapsticky, you know, I, I, I joked earlier in our episode about, you know, in the, in the, into the spider verse, he, he comes in and he's like smelling a pie and floating on air, you know, that, that characteristic. And, you know, you know, like you said, you, you were trying to play it straight. So like, I mean, do, do you, you know, obviously, you know, creators are going to have their license to do with these characters, what they will. And you, and you don't necessarily have ownership of that, but like what, 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 what's your impressions of kind of like the evolution of the character, the fact that there, that people do seem to play more into those, uh, that, that like slapstick element of it. I mean, you know, do you, are you like, no, you're getting it wrong. Or, I mean, or you just got to, no, 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 no. you know, <laughs> creators have to create whatever works for, you know, another writer works for them. I was a big fan of what Steve Skates did. I, th I thought he did a terrific job with the uh, regular comic book, a much better job than I would have done if I was writing it on a monthly basis. I think, hey, guys, go and have, go and have fun. You know, play with these characters. 
if I if I'm on a book for an extended period of time, when I get off the book, I deliberately don't read it for a couple of years because I I need to get the voices out of my head, the characterizations out of my head, and I think it's it, it would be very unfair for me to like look and say, oh wait a minute, Spider Man would never say that, or you know, Thor would never do that, or what whatever the heck. So you know, I want to you know clear out this stuff so that I can you know just look at it as a reader because you know everybody's trying to do their best they're trying to create the best stories that they can and we all have different visions of it and that's what makes comics so interesting is all the different interpretations of the characters and stuff so on on that note you know it's been you know you've come back over the years uh, a few times you got to introduce swiney girl and that was a lot of fun is this a book you keep up with like when you see spider ham is getting a one shot or a mini series is that something you like highlight and what have you have you what have you thought of some of the resurgences of the character over the years if a, if if a new spider uh, ham comic comes out and i'm aware of it you know i'll pick it up and um and sometimes i read them and say hey that was that was fun and sometimes i read them and go eh, could have done a much better job you know, I, I have that reaction to everything I pick up and read. Yeah. <laughs> some things I like and some things I don't like. Sure. Um, it, it, it depends on how well the, the, the creators handle the craft. Some stories, they, you know, they really give it their all and, you know, and I applaud the efforts. And some stories I look and go, wait a minute, this is a 20-page story. They repeated the same scene, three different, you know, they did the same thing three different times boring you know come on get a better you know you should have a better handle on your craft you know i'm very picky and stuff like that i you know i like a lot of action in my comics i like i hate radio scripts in comics i love radio scripts on the radio but i hate them in comics you just have a bunch of heads talking it, it, so it what, what are you what are you looking for in a spider ham comic if, if anything i'm looking for a lot of fun mm. some personality some characterization, and something I haven't seen before. So I'm not looking for something specific. It's just, I think every story should bring something new to the table. And um, and that's what I'm looking for when I pick up, you know, a Spider-Ham story or a Spider-Man story or, you know, any any kind of story. Uh, you know, right now, as as we're speaking, you're 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 writing the uh, a Marvel uh, Secret Wars miniseries. So you're 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 kind of, you're, you're back in that universe. So I I, I gotta ask. I mean, do, do do you have any desires or 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 back, have you made any machinations to give it a, another go with Spider Ham? Or uh, do do you feel like your work is done there? <laughs> About a year ago or so, uh, Ron and I were talking. We came up with this idea for a Spider Ham story. So I put a proposal together and I sent it to the Spider-Man editor. Um, but he was he was so buried. <laughs> he got back in touch and said, I, I don't have I don't even have time to read the proposal because he was just so buried. And so I, at a certain point, I withdrew the proposal because I knew that by the time he unburied himself, I would be buried. <laughs> um, you know, I, I still have that proposal. Maybe someday. When I can see some daylight, you know, maybe we'll all get together and do another Spider, Spider Ham story. He's a fun character, and I like, you know, playing in his playground. And yes, I I, I did a Secret Wars thing because the idea of uh, of doing a story that you know is uh, connected to something forty years old, 
actually older than the editor. <laughs> art. Um, and, and yet make it, you know, relevant to today's readers and yet create some new, new twists and turns and some new characters and put some things in there that would, you know, kind of haunt readers and haunt creative people so that, you know, 40 years from now, they might do a sequel to this thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the creative challenge was just too much to, I, I, for me to say, nah, I'll pass on this. Um, I, I, I really have, you know, little interest in doing nostalgic things. I'd rather, you know, do contemporary things because, uh, because I don't want to have to remember what was going on in 1972. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, I don't think anybody could have anticipated Spider-Ham, a legitimate one-off becoming a part of an Academy Award-winning film, especially now this, this maybe tw twice Academy Award-winning, we'll see, you know. I think everybody has high hopes for Across the Spider-Verse. What has that journey been like for you, you know, seeing uh, that character. And I don't know when you were given the heads up that he would be featured in such a way. Uh, any information about your side of this journey would be really exciting for us to hear. I was given a heads up about a week before the film came out. <laughs> um, at some point, I was invited to, to the uh, Los Angeles premiere for uh, Across the Spider-Verse. And I thought, oh, that's that's nice being invited to a, a movie premiere, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I can't, I don't have the time to take a week off to go, you know, flying into Los Angeles and that. So I wrote, I thanked them very much. And I, I said, I really appreciate the invitation, but I have other commitments, can't do it. And then about a week before the film, a, uh, a reporter that I had dealt with before calls me up and says, hey, listen, I'd like to interview you about uh, Spider-Ham. And I said, uh, okay. And he asked me a bunch of questions, and I told him the origin of Spider-Ham and that sort of thing. And he said, do uh, you have any questions for me? I said, yeah, not, not for nothing, but uh, why are you asking me about Spider-Ham? <laughs> <laughs> and he said to me, have you heard about, you know, the, the first uh, Spider-Verse movie? I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of, the, of that movie. Into the Spider-Verse. And I... And, just for the record, I think that's the best of all the Spider-Man movies, all, all the li live action and everything. And I said, yeah, you know, they invited me to the pr premiere and, uh, you know, next week they're going to have a Marvel, you know, friends and family showing. So, so I'm going to go to that. I said, why? They said, did anybody tell you who's in the film? I said, I assume Spider-Man. <laughs> and he goes, well, Spider-Ham is in the film. And I said, Spider-Ham is in the film? And he goes, yeah. What the heck is Spider-Ham doing in a, in a Spider-Man movie? And he says, I don't know, but I know that Spider-Ham's in it. And I thought, oh, okay. And went to the film and was presently surprised at, to see how, how much Spider-Ham was uh, featured in the film. And I, uh, you know, I thought it was cool, but it, I wasn't expecting anything. and didn't know anything about it up, up until like a week before the film. And, and, and following through on it, I mean, like, has that kind of yielded any kind of like future discussions or like, you know, now, now that you know that like, have, have they reached out, you know, have you, you know, like uh, what was that journey watching it's be winning an award like that for you? 
<laughs> it's cool, but it wasn't my award, so I didn't. <laughs> I really wasn't thinking, you know, too too much about it, or you know, because the, the, the film is, you know, Miles is the star of that film. I th I thought it was. I I think the people who did the film did a did a fabulous job. I think some of the Sony movies work, some of the Sony movies don't work. You know, I want them all to work. I even want the DC films to work. I really want the DC films to work because I, I want all of this stuff to work because, I, you know, I'm just a fan. I, I like superheroes and, and you know, all, all of them, you know, all of this nonsense. Um, Competition is good, too. It pushes everybody to be better. To, to do better. And, you know, and, you know, the Marvel movies, some works, some don't work. You know, the first two Ant-Man movies I thought were terrific caper films. The third one was some sort of Star Wars science fiction thing that, you know, all the things that I loved about the first two Ant-Man movies, none of the, those elements were in the third one. So I didn't enjoy it as much. I liked the Captain Marvel movie. I, I, I really liked the Marvel's movie. And for some reason, that, that one didn't go over, you know, all that well. I, I loved the first Black Panther movie. I was wishy-washy about the second one. Uh, you know, certain things work, some certain things don't work. But I always say, listen, I'm I'm probably, I, I'm always happy to be in an audience because as long as I don't have to work on it, I'm thrilled. <laughs> you know, anybody producing things for, with me as the target audience, they're going to go out of business very quickly because I, I don't know if 70 plus, you know, you know, writing professionals, really the target audience you want to aim for. <laughs> you never know, an untapped market. Well, speaking of markets, Tom, thanks for coming on to talk about Spider-Ham with us. Do you want to plug anything you're working on at present? Well, you know, I, I guess I should plug the uh, Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars Battle World, the longest title in creation. It's a, you know, hoo-ha romp uh i don't know if you guys have seen it i, I hope you guys yeah, liked it I, I thought it was great i really enjoyed it i didn't both really liked it we, we, i wouldn't necessarily needed to go back to that world but i was happy to be there <laughs> all, right. all right all right well and, I, and i'm gonna you know let let you know that you know some of the scenes in there people think are random but on your second or third rereading you'll realize there's nothing random in that in, in this uh, four issue series I, you know, everything, everything has a purpose for being there. It's four issues with some great artwork and some fabulous coloring. Yeah, four issues. What is that? A hundred dollars these days? <laughs> 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 well, we get all the variants. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, uh, Which undoubtedly we yeah. do. So. <laughs> we got, I've got sucker tattooed on you know, anytime I do a job for Marvel, I always assume it's going to be the last one. If this is the last one, boy, it was a, it was a good way to go out. Um, and if it's not the last one, I, I hope the next one will be just as much fun. You know, I also do, uh, I regularly do Archie stuff because because uh, they ask me to do such ridiculous things within five pages. <laughs> That's such a creative challenge. I, you know. I'm a sucker. I have to do it. Um, is that like your like crossword puzzle in the morning? You're like, get up, <laughs> like got to figure out how to do Archie this morning. It's sort of kind of, it's, it's, uh, you know, Archie is my original home. I, you know, I love the characters. I love the people I work with, you know, and I think of them as, you know, as my home, just like I think of Marvel as, 
you know, it was one of my homes. Um, so, you know, I have, I have a good time doing that. I mean, I'm still bouncing around. What can I tell you guys? Uh, I only hope to be as prolific as you, yes, Tom. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope to be as prolific as you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but Fair it, enough. I, I, I realize that I've gotten to that stage in life where I no longer put in the 15-hour days that I used to do. And I actually tend to take weekends off. Things like things like that are heresy. I consider myself practically, you no, know, I refer to myself as semi-retirement because I only work five days a week now. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, Tom, a healthy worth of work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, what a lazy bum. Oh, the humanity. Yeah. <laughs> well, but well, guys, uh, thanks. thanks again, Tom. And uh, we always love having you on the show. Uh, you're one of our oldest friends of the show, both bo- in both meanings of the word. Uh, <laughs> no, no, insult. it's always a pleasure to have you on uh, sharing your legendary status. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I, you know, thanks for thinking of me. Thanks. For, thanks for remembering. I'm still alive. <laughs> Of course, of course. <laughs> we got our nicknames yeah, from you. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, Dapper and he's mischievous so, because of you. So, very good. Thank right. you so much, Tom. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, guys. Well, it's that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So, we want to say thank you to you, the listeners. And, of course, thank you, Tom DeFalcon. I almost called him DeFalcon. Thank you, Tom DeFalco for joining us to talk about Spider-Ham and for joining us on this episode of The Amazing Spider-Talk. Yeah, this podcast exists because of listener support on Patreon. For only $3.99 a month, you can help support our show's existence while getting early episodes, including new Amazing Spider-Man reviews the same week that the comics release, exclusive artwork, and a ton of other bonuses. So thank you again to everyone who already supports us and the work that Mark and I do. To download our earliest episodes, including interviews with legendary creators like Jam Demetrius, Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, Mark Bagley, David Michelini, and more, subscribe to our Amazing Spider Talk Back Issue Podcast on Apple Podcasts. This podcast episode was edited by Rick Coast. The video version is available on YouTube and was edited by Alex Galucki. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friend, Sal Busema, and Nick Cagnetti. Our theme songs were produced by Ryland Bojack, Tony Thaxon, and Spider Madge. And our animated intro was created and performed by Josh Sutton. And just lastly, before we sign off, another reminder to check out our Substack. That's the Amazing Spider Talk Substack at amazingspider.substack.com. Basically, we're going to cover all the things that we can't talk about on the show, lest our wives leave us. So the Substack is our stealth way of making it happen. But until then, Mark, until we force our listeners to tune into this podcast on their ham radios, what's our motto? With great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. 